Hey everyone, welcome to episode 202 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and Jeff, maybe, and Greg for sure. It's episode 2 and episode 6 in our social distancing worship and podcast series where we're all doing this thing from home. Today we welcome back our special guest, no stranger to the podcast, Greg Creek. And, you know, the social distancing thing has also brought the regulars back again, and we're hoping Jeff makes it in. And it's so it's kind of proof that there's always a silver lining, no matter how dark it might seem at times. It's good to be back. All right. This week we talked about the ever popular socially distancing and being socially distant. Now, socially distancing seems to be the only thing that we talk about these days. And for many, I think it's just becoming a little overwhelming. It floods the news, our social media posts, the dinner table discussion, and the text messages, even if you're just checking up on family and friends. And Greg mentioned early in the message that all of this social distancing can have or can perpetuate our social distance. He said, just because you're practicing social distancing, it doesn't mean you have to be socially distant. I can still call people, text people, video chat with people, engage more deeply with people that I'm quarantined with, and so on. But what knocked me over like a ton of bricks was this idea that when we're not practicing social distancing, we can still be socially distant. I thought this was super interesting from this this current perspective of our daily lives and our overall lack of social interaction compared to the norm. And for some, this isn't anything new by choice, or for others, it's by exclusion. For those who love and thrive in this social interaction, do you think this will change our thoughts or maybe more importantly, our actions to be more inclusive when this social distancing is all over with? What do you think? I hope that it does. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that was one of the things I talked about. You know, I kind of I kind of mentioned it in jest, you know, but for people who are extroverts and are used to seeing and interacting and engaging with, you know, a lot of different people throughout the course of their day what's happening right now can be really hard. And and I think that we don't always take the time, you know, unfortunately to think about what about those people who are on the outside desperately trying to get in. And so, you know, I, I kind of ended the message, you know, just hoping that, that humanity, you know, our humanity would come out more and recognizing, you know, the desire for others to be included and, and to have those same circles that, you know, the extroverts, the social people who are in there, you know, that we give that same opportunity to everybody who, who wants well, it. Cause there are people who don't want it, which I also respect and think we need to <laughs> give space to them as well. <laughs> we're not yeah, going to kick it. I, we're I not going to drag them back kicking and screaming. <laughs> no, you are going to hang out with me. <laughs> That's it. Well, I, I, I do want to, I do want to say just in case a person on this is the very first part of the podcast <laughs> that, that really the essence of the end of the message is really critical for us as followers of Jesus to say we don't have a, um, a really a choice uh, in the sense that if, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, he's commissioned us to be includers, as, as Greg said, that we have to figure out, yeah, maybe inclusion means different things for different people some. Sure. But, but allowing a person to be socially distanced who would prefer not to be we're really sort of commissioned, called, and sent to 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 be connectors and in, and includers in our world, and that's a role that I I hope that this time will may wake us up a little more to that responsibility. 
Yeah, there's a balance that has to happen here, isn't there? I mean, like you said, there's people that, you know, maybe don't want it or maybe they don't think they want it. Sometimes I wonder when people are being a little less I mean, maybe that's just my personality. I, I'm an extrovert. and but, but I wonder if people are just more afraid of maybe what someone might think or what a group might think or what the – maybe the group they feel like will be an uncomfortable dynamic. Maybe they – you know, they're not used to it. It's not something they're good at. And I wonder if we're more intentional about it with people that might be just a little bit hesitant. You know, maybe there's a happy balance that we can find where we can still – we can still include them and, you know, maybe a little bit more inclusion with them makes them feel a little more loved, maybe a little bit more willing to participate. Does that make sense? Well, Greg, Greg said very clearly in the message that uh, there's some very good research that says that the human, the human being needs to be in relationship. Now, what that means, you know, how, what degree of relationships, how the relationships go, but need to have relationships for the best best health. Um, <clears throat> so that's I think that's really important for us to recognize that we have, yeah, relationships look different for different people, different different uh, way ways we relate. But still, regardless of who we are, there's there's a health of relationship that's needed uh, for for the best mental health, according to Greg's statement in the sermon. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's true. Greg, you want to expound on that a little more? I had I was very concerned, which is why I expounded on my that you know statement multiple times <laughs> to say that you know you, you, we need to be engaged in a relationship. That doesn't mean we need to have you know fifty best friends. You know, it's yeah. okay if we have just one or two close relationships. And relationship mm-hmm. doesn't mean like you need to be married or or in some you know romantic you know relationship. And I think too often. You know, in our society, like when we say the word relationship, like we immediately move to a romantic, committed type relationship, you know, whatever, whatever capacity that looks like. Um, And I don't think that's not, you know, what I'm talking about as well. There truly is so much research that it just, you know, I felt like it would have been a bit of a tangent, you know, to just start to even name, you know, some of the different studies because it really wasn't a sociological, uh, exploration it was just kind of a a comment you know but yeah i mean i I just think that there's there's so much um yeah there's just so much research that talks about it well i think it was to make sure that we're aware of it go ahead andy uh the the, the challenge is is that like like just like Greg said it may just be having one or two friends and so the obligation upon us as Christians is is to show ourselves friendly and to be be available to become those friends and to be inclusive of people that might be a little standoffish at first in that friendship pursuit. Um, and we don't want to be obnoxious and we don't, we don't want to stalk anybody or anything. Sure, but but to be available and to and to, to take that availability seriously, to be willing to engage with people and build those bridges. Anyway, go ahead. ahead. No, I I like that being available because I think in part that really takes the pressure off of maybe someone that, you know, you're not an extrovert, you're not an introvert, you're somewhere in the middle. But sometimes you just have a hard time approaching people because eh, it's just not your thing. But I think if we frame this in we just need to be available, we need to show, like you said, show ourselves friendly be available so that when the situation arises from someone who really does need somebody, 
then you're easily approachable. You've already shown yourself to be friendly and it doesn't put so much pressure on both parties. I think it really can facilitate this engagement that we'd like to see. All right. We went through the events of Holy Week and how prevalent those in and around Jesus, including himself, were socially distant. And I hadn't considered it in this way before. And there were so many nuances of both positive and negative instances that you guys went through. And I don't think we have time to hit all of them. But I guess the one that intrigued me the most was through this lens of being socially distant was the Last Supper. And Greg, you said, and so Jesus gathered in the room with his closest friends and was socially distant from most of them. Jesus shared a cup with the man who had already plotted to betray him. Jesus shared a table with guys who were fighting over who got the most prominent positions in this new kingdom that they were sure Jesus was establishing. So while there was no social distancing in order, they were all socially distant. And when I read that and and listened to it this past week, the socially distant behavior is evident. But what really stood out the most was that Jesus, knowing you know what was going to happen and, and all that the darkness that was about to happen to him, he still took the time and served his disciples. I mean, Peter, who would you know deny knowing him, and and I look at ourselves and go, how often have we socially distanced someone to the outside for such smaller slights than what we're talking about in just those two instances, <laughs> and and we feel vindicated because somehow they deserved it. And I just, oh, has Jesus' ministry on earth taught us anything more valuable than this, that no matter all the things that people did on his time on earth and in this last supper and and during this week, that Jesus always showed up and delivered. Amen. Andy, you want to have the benediction? (laughs) (laughs) Randy. Randy's bringing it. Randy is. <laughs> that was just so profound to me, though, that when you think about it and it really turns the mirror and puts it in front of our face and makes us look at ourselves. And I thought, man, if there was anything that I wanted to take away from this message, that was it. That's that's just yeah. amazing. And so how do we be more like Jesus in that? How do we look at situations like he did and then go, yeah, that's right. I, I need to cut this person some slack. I need to... I need to not be so petty. I need to not, you know, hold things against people, hold a grudge. I just need to be, what do I, I just need to be available and more personable, right? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that obviously is probably happening in Christ's life when he would go off on the hill mountains early in the morning by himself in the deserted places for praying, I, I think he was praying for Judas. I think he was praying for Peter. Uh, he was praying for these disciples who were arguing about who's going to get the best seats. And when we pray for a person consistently, it's hard to diss them. It's hard yeah. to be too hard on them because we're praying for their best. And so I, th- I think one of the steps we can easily do from a distance even is uh, is pray for people, especially people that we might consider enemies or who might have might have dissed us or or people that seem to be uh, to themselves more than we think they should be or whatever, to, to, to pray for them. And that maybe opportunities will come where we can actually serve them mm. as well. Yeah, that's good. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I just, wanna, I just wanna comment on that because I think, you know, sometimes people might hear, hear that and they might think, oh, well, you know, that person wronged me, so I just need to let it go. And I think we also need to like take that in the context of Jesus' relationship with his disciples. Yes. And so while he didn't necessarily like force Judas to not go betray him, he didn't chastise Peter, you know, that night at the supper, you know, even though he knew that all of his disciples were going to, you know, run away. But there are times throughout Jesus' ministry where he did hold them accountable for the things that mm-hmm. they did. 
And I think um, I think that's important to remember that you know trying to to be inclusive and to be more loving is not about becoming a doormat for anyone. And I think absolutely what that right. speaks to is not you know then saying oh well so I can just you know they wronged me so I just need to communicate that and then it's okay if the relationship ends or sours. I think it's about communication. I think it's about being willing to go and have that conversation. Um, and I've not done that in my own life. Right. So here, here's the pot talking to the kettle. <laughs> oh, sure, I've not done that in my own life. Yeah. Uh, in, in, you know, different challenges that I've had in relation in relationships of, of not being, you know, communicative or honest. And, and I think that has then hurt the overall relationship. And so I think when we look at Jesus, like his desire was for a very deep, very open relationship. And I think, you know, we should do the same thing. And so, you know, if we're wrestling with the way that someone has hurt us, we need to, you know, to communicate that and see if we can work through it. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, that there's that context that's in there of, of being able to, to love someone even in the midst of that hurt. Yeah. But, you know, so that you, you know, it's like this thing of, you know, people have this, you know, is it, faith or is it works, you know, and it's like, well, you can't have one without the other. And, and it's kind of like, okay, but if you have faith and you would have works, but you know, like, how do you develop a stronger faith, you know, is it by doing, and so it's like this whole argument. And I feel like sometimes when it comes to like relationships, we kind of take that approach of like, we need to be loving and we need to forgive. And so it's like, so am I a doormat or am I, you know, am I not, you know, and, and yeah. people try to narrow it down, but I think it is important, you know, I think because there are people who will take advantage of you. Um, sure. And they took advantage of, of Jesus. There were people who took advantage of Jesus. And yet, you know, Jesus is the one who chose to go through that. And there are sometimes people in our world that don't have the choice of, you know, like they're taken advantage of and they don't have a choice. And in that regard, like we as Christians are called to stand up for them. That's why the Bible speaks so much about orphans and widows. They were the most disadvantaged people that you could get. And so Jesus has called us to speak up for them. And so I think we can choose to uh, do certain things, but we should never allow people to be taken advantage of. Absolutely. Yeah, one of the great texts I use in premarital counseling is comes from Ephesians about speaking the truth in love. It seems like as a species, we either prefer to speak very lovey-dovey words and sort of wrap things up in a package. We're not sure what you're really saying because it's just all so sweet. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum is a person who just bluntly tells it as it is about everything and sort of pukes all over you. And so (laughs) but but combining those two together, speaking the truth and speaking a loving way, speaking uh, in a loving way, but make sure it's not just loving ways. It's also telling the truth. And I think can can help us in that communication process as well. Greg, as soon as you said that, like before you said doormat, that's exactly what came to my mind. And every time that that comes up in conversation, I'm always uh, brought back Dick Tibbetts' book, Forgive to Live. Uh, we interviewed him on a TV book. show. Yeah, it's a great book. And we interviewed him on a TV show long time ago. And I remember him saying, and, um, and I know it's an excerpt from the book, but basically in a paraphrase, it's if someone's done you wrong, it's on you to forgive because it frees you and it allows you to live uh, the life that you want to live because you've forgiven and you've chosen that road, which is biblical. But it doesn't mean that you have to be friends. It doesn't mean that you have to all of a sudden like, well, I forgave you and you really wronged me. But now we have to be friends because I forgave you. And he's like, it doesn't work that way. It just means that you're letting them, you know, you're forgiving them for the trespass and you're just moving on with your life. But you're not going to subject yourself to more trespasses from the same person in the future. And that's OK. And I think that's important. Well said. Good job, Dick. (laughs) All right. So 
Any final words on this subject? Anyone have anything else to interject before we wrap up? This came, you know, this this idea of socially distant and social distancing, you know, it just kind of kind of came, you know, like I said in the sermon, you know, it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks is that, man, we can still be socially distant from people when, when life is normal. And so I really do hope that, you know, as we, I mean, you know, we're going to continue to struggle with the implications of coronavirus for some time. And, uh, you know, socially, uh, economically, you know, there's a lot of factors that are going to go into it. Yeah. And, you know, I hope that, that we're able to, to learn some of this, to learn more about, you know, the humanity of others and our own humanity, um, our own vulnerabilities and our willingness to, you know, engage with people in that, you know, and, uh, Well, we're going to give everybody a chance to do that because this week, one of our whole life takeaways asked, how have you intentionally tried to connect during this time to avoid for yourself or relieve another's feeling of being socially distant? And I chose it because I would love to start a colorful and uplifting conversation right here on the podcast. Last week, we closed our Easter service. If you were watching online or if you've, you follow us on Facebook, you saw the virtual choir singing Jesus Paid It All, which was very, very powerful and proof positive that we can impact lives for Christ and not be socially distant while practicing social distancing. And not turning our back on the periodic comfort of just being socially distant. Sometimes it feels so good to just be away from people. But like we've mentioned already, we have this innate desire and need to be socially together. So if there was ever a week or a time to share what Jesus is doing in your life to reconnect with others who desperately need a word of hope and the assurance that the resurrection and the salvation of Easter that it brings is in fact real and alive and well for all. So please send a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 and share with all of us what God has put on your heart to reach out and connect. I'll play your responses next week's podcast, or if you have enough, I'll put together an extra episode, one of those fancy .5 episodes with just your responses. We'll call it the Whole Life Hope episode. Imagine sharing sharing that episode with friends, family, neighbors that need to hear from someone or from a group of people that is leaning on God to get through this. Of course, you can send an email and I will read it for you, podcast at wholelife.church. To go along with this challenge, I'm going to bring you our final thoughts from this week's message, where Greg said, Christians have good news. Jesus came to break down walls, to bring those that were on the outside to the inside. He didn't want people that were socially distant. He left giving us the charge to continue that work. It's a high responsibility we've been called to as it came from Christ himself. So if that doesn't spark you to just join the fun a little bit, share a little bit, and whatever it feels like is all right, just send it in, 407-965-1607, and I will read the texts and emails, or I will play your voicemail right on the podcast. All right, what are we doing this week? Are we, We're up on a new series, right? Yeah, new series on the book of Colossians, uh, Paul's letter to the strike out Colossians and put in Orlandonians. Um, <laughs> Orlandonians, is that the way it goes? Yeah, that's the way it says. All right. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be looking at Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 this Sabbath. Excellent. See, like uh, Wisconsin, it's like you, you can be a Wisconian or you can be a Wisconsinite, whichever. I mean, there's more than one. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know it was Orlandonians. 
<laughs> I don't know. We just made it up. Made it up. Well, it works. <laughs> it works. That's what we're going with anyway. So, if you ha- you know if you need to correct us, you can send that to the same information as before, and we'll correct ourselves next week. All right. As always, do join us again next Wednesday for episode two hundred three. Thanks, Greg, for joining us today and for being a part of the message this week. And remember to wash your hands and keep engaging in social distancing and give this mission of trying to engage in relationships and engage those on the outside and the inside. Give it a try and send us your story. Thanks for listening and have a great week.